time for moments with Mika, and I'm Mika. And I'm Rick. Wow, you are Rick. I am. Okay. I'm excited. I'm, you are. I feel good right now. You, you do. You, you do. look so melancholy right now. You know, you got I your have candle had, burning. You know, candles you are my. Th- I love candles. Like when they smell good, it's like heaven in a little wax thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love me a candle, but it keeps me serene. And you give me candles for your birthday? Huh? You get any candles for your birthday? That's the candle that I got myself for my birthday. You get any candles for your birthday? That one right there that I just bought myself. But for my birthday, my parents did make sure that um, they kept on asking me, what do you want to do for your birthday? What do you want for your birthday? So they were trying to make sure that my birthday went great. And I was like really appreciative of that. Yeah, because I guess it like don't really matter how old I am. They always make sure I'm good. It's not. Yeah, it's it don't matter. matter. But it was it was great. Um, even though my day, my birthday didn't go as planned, it was a lot of stuff that went on. Okay. Um, I couldn't even post on Facebook or Instagram. Like Instagram was I down. One or two. Oh no, that was a weekend. Yeah, that was yeah. Like Instagram was down for me. Facebook was down for me. It was a lot of stuff oh, that you was, was going in jail. on. Jail. No, it was social just, jail. No, it was just like error messages after error messages. And then I seen a post, and they said that some users are experiencing the issue but i was like how is both of my facebook pages experiencing this <laughs> on my birthday like i was so upset about that but in all in all i am a really i'm really happy um that i got the parents that i have um i really appreciate my friend she took the day off she stuck with me the whole day okay. you know so it was it was stuff like that that really made me just happy on my birthday it wasn't about like you know what i got it was just People making sure that I was good. They was like, okay, this is your day. You don't work on this day. You know, you don't go stress out on this day. They was trying to make sure that I and was that's happy. What's up. That's what birthdays are supposed to be. Yeah, it was. And I mean, even though it was a lot of stuff, I remained optimistic. So. And the way you're saying is, you're still looking off into a distance and your eyes twitching at the same time. Like, yeah, because it was is- like, it was like, to me, I felt like I was like, this is the one day, you know. I'm going to put aside the show. I'm going to put aside the clothing line. And then I don't have to work my other job. Like, I'm like, just the one day. This is Mika Day. To be free. Yeah, this is Mika Day. Okay. And when I woke up, I felt like, okay, this is Mika Day. Let's get this started. And, and then like next thing you know, again, huh? boom, a punch. Life did a punch. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to just go ahead. That didn't, that didn't go as planned. I'm going to just do this. That didn't go as planned. I'm going to just do this. So, you know. I think my birthday taught me a lot, and it really made me appreciate my parents a lot more. It made me appreciate my new friendship with my, you know, my friend. It made me really appreciate those things because it's like I feel like now I'm at a point in life where I got the people that I'm supposed to have in my life, in my life. You know, the people that's gonna always make sure you're good and that's gonna go above and beyond. Then the people that I got around me. So I was just really happy to know that even when. I was like a little down on my birthday. This person was like, "Hey, it's all right. We gonna do this. We just gonna do this. Forget about that. We gonna do this." So see, so you that, got to bounce back. Yeah. So it was, it was great. I learned a lot. I even um, had a discussion with myself um, before I turned 27 at about like 10 o'clock on Tuesday. Okay. Um, my last two hours of being 26, I had a discussion. I just told myself like, I'm not gonna worry about certain things. 
I'm not gonna take over um, other people's problems, you know? Because right. I think that was the problem with me. I would make other people's problems my problem and try to solve their problem, and then it'll make a problem for me. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, that I told myself happen. in 27 that I'm I'm not doing that. I can't. I'm not gonna do that anymore. It's not about not. I can't, cause I can, but I'm not. So you say that now, but no, I'm really. That, I I made a problem. Hardwired. No, I'm straight. I'm good. <laughs> Cause I see, I seen how much stress that it put, and I, I analyzed a lot of the days when I was 26, and I was frowning a lot, and I wasn't happy a lot. Like even though I've been working on my happiness, I feel like I've discovered some of the things that made me unhappy, okay. and I learned how to withdraw myself from the situations. So that's exactly what I did. And I said in 27, I mean, I'm already doing good. I'm 27 years old. I have two businesses and I still have a job. I own the car that I drive and it's not to boast or anything like that, but it's like, I'm doing a lot good. You know, I'm doing good, but I could do a lot better if I don't worry about other people's situation, if I don't take on unnecessary problems. Makes sense. If I learn to always think a positive way out of a situation. Right. You know, so... I learned a lot on my birthday, and I was really glad about it. So, but when I turned thirty, I'm doing it up. Period. Hey, that's how you're supposed to do. Yeah, so I got thirty five your- this year, so you know I, I'm scared of what's gonna happen on that day. But this week has actually been a great week. Like mm-hmm. the energy's been flowing around me really well. Mm-hmm. Um, had a couple things came up, and uh, they were successful. Mm-hmm. I did go on a couple interviews, mm-hmm. and. I wasn't feeling those, mm. but something did come through. Mm-hmm. It was, it really came through. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, I can finalize all of these things, and y'all will see some big moves coming. Mm-hmm. But I'm just fingers crossed, making sure everything come through. And I started my remodeling on my backyard. So Are you I'm always excited remodeling. about that. What? You excited? What? Super excited. I'm about to lay down concrete, building a whole patio. I just start cutting down all the bushes and looking at all of that, and it's it's atrocious right now. Mm. But I see what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Every time I look at it, what it looks like now, I just go stand at the window and just look out the window like, but when it's done, right. it's going to be dope. So I got a lot of things that actually came up. A lot of things dropped into my lap this week that I didn't even know was there. Mm. Like I didn't know a lot of people around me was doing certain things, mm. and it was just like... Like, they fumbled it into my lap. And I was like, oh, hey. That's what you do? So, everything has been really looking beautiful. Mm-hmm. I feel good about this week. I feel good about next week. Mm-hmm. And I feel great. That's good. That's really good. Well, guess what? We got an interview for you guys. Um, and this interview is actually amazing. So, I'm going to just go straight into it so you can hear Ajane's story. And now it's time for the interview. And I have Ajane with me, and I'm going to have her share her story with you. Okay. Um, hi, my name is Ajane. Um, I'm born and raised in Detroit, but I've kind of lived all over southeastern Michigan. Um, my life growing up was pretty unstable. Um, so I, like, I started off in Michigan. I mean, I, mean, I started off in Detroit, obviously, but then... I um, did like a little time, my mom and I did a little time in Taylor, and then we came back to Detroit, and then she got married, and um, unfortunately, like, there was some, like, issues in the marriage, and it caused us to move around a lot, like, I never 
got the chance to stay at one school for a really long time, actually. Um, my, my seventh grade year, so from kindergarten all the way through sixth grade, I never stayed at one school. My seventh grade year was the first year I got to stay at one school for the entire school year. Every other year before that, I had to like, transfer in the middle of the year because we were moving around that much. Um, and I remember, especially when I was really little, we had to stay with a bunch of different family members and close friends and um, like we were in Pontiac at one point then we were in Romulus and then we just like we just kind of like moved all over so um that like it was it was stressful obviously because I never feel like I could like establish myself anywhere or find roots but I mean eventually I got used to it Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't really the moving that got to me. It was more so the fact that I had to go to a new school like every um, single time. Um, recently, I actually just decided to like try to make a list based off my memory. And I believe um, by the time I graduated high school, I had been to 16, at least 16 schools total. There might have been others, but I think I went to 16 schools. So a bunch of different schools. And um, always just like seeing new people, and um, I like I wanted to make friends, right? Like any kid did, but mm-hmm. I, soon I got scared. Like I, I remember, like second, third grade, I was, oh my god, I I'll never stay anywhere for too long. So I start to make friends, and then I have to leave, and then I'm sad again because I can't talk to anybody. I'm just by myself. So eventually I started to become really quiet and shy because I didn't, I like, I didn't want to talk to anybody because I'm like, if I become your friend and then I have to move, then that's really going to hurt me. So I became really shy. Um, and some of the kids, they, they didn't understand that. They were like, why don't you want to talk to us? I tried to be as nice as I could, but some of them were like, oh, she's stuck up. She thinks she's better than us. She doesn't want to talk to us. And that kind of hurt. Um, it didn't help that. Um, I've always, I think I've always been pretty smart. I remember even back in kindergarten, um, the diagnostic, you know, the diagnostic test, they give like kindergartens to see where their placement is. Mm -hmm. Um, I like had a really high placement and they actually put me in a first grade classroom because I was so ahead of the other kids They put me in a first grade classroom. And I don't think they explained this properly to me. Maybe they did. I think they explained it to my mom. I just thought they were switching me to another classroom. I didn't know that they were placing me ahead. And I got upset because I, I missed, like, the kids in my other class. I was like, hey, can I go back to this class? Because I'm not really sure why I got placed in a different class when I joined my other class. So, And they did place me back in that class. So I kind of demoted myself back to kindergarten, which I didn't understand. I found out later, and I was kind of upset. I was like, had I known I was bummed up in first grade, I would say that. But... Yeah, just all I've always like just done really well in school, and um, my teachers they were like always shocked because like I said I transferred in the middle of the year. I remember one time I didn't get there until May, so basically the end of the school year. But I still had to go for like those last like the, those last few weeks, or else they wouldn't let me advance to the next grade. So basically, come like at the end of the school year, and like. I'd be able to grasp the material really quickly, and my teachers didn't understand how I was able to do this. And then when we started doing standardized testing, like MEEP and MSTEP and all of that, and I got really high scores, they were like, oh my gosh, you're like really smart. I remember one teacher even told me after I took a test, she's like, that score is like gifted. Like, you are, you're like, you're really special. And I'm like, thank you. Um, I wasn't really used to all the attention, but like I woke 
I welcomed it. I thought it was cool because I always loved school and it made me feel good that like my teachers were recognizing that this is something that I was really passionate about and that I was good at. Um, but the downside to that is like the kids who always already thought there was something wrong with me because I kept to myself when they saw that a lot of teachers were paying attention to me because they were like, oh my God, this girl is so smart and we have to try to give her more challenging material to keep her stimulated. They're like, oh wow, the teachers are showing favoritism and they're like, I really got singled out. Um, got bad, like the sixth or seventh grade year, I remember like I literally would walk into that the classroom every day and feel like everyone hated me. Like no one wanted to talk to me. But like people were always like gossiping behind their back, like, Oh, she thinks she's better than us. Oh, she's stuck up. It was like it was like not good for um my self esteem, my mental health. And at the end of the year my mom like had to go up to the school and be like, Hey, these kids are like bullying and ostracizing my daughter and my daughter has done nothing but try to be nice to them. So, um that was a struggle. So, um, yeah, it wasn't until ninth grade, really, when I started high school, that I, that I actually started to make, like, true friends. Like, before high school, the only, like, really consistent friend I had was um, my friend Tiana. She, she was from my church. So I did. I never really had any consistent friends from school. I tried, but they always just ended because I had to move or, like, they didn't really like me. So, like, my one consistent friend that I had since I was little when we first started at my church, um, when I was, I think, six, well, her name was, her name's Tiana, so she's been my friend for the longest, but never had any school friends, like, true school friends that I kept in contact with for an extended period of time until I started ninth grade. Um, so, I, when I started high school, I went to, a, I started off at a private school, Cornerstone, Leadership in Business High School, which is on the east side of Detroit. Um, it has since, like, closed down. It's no longer, you can no longer enroll in that school. Um, the building actually, how, when I got there, it housed, like, an elementary, middle, and high school. And the elementary and middle is still running, so if you want to enroll your children in those schools, camp high school has been closed down. So I got there in ninth grade, and um, my the same thing happened. I kind of realized, like, I would do my work and my teachers would start to realize like, wow, you're really smart. You're doing well in all the classes, doing well on these um, standardized tests. And um, again, they tried to pay, pay more attention to me. Like my math teacher in ninth grade, he was like, hey, would you like to do an independent study where you work like three or four chapters ahead of the rest of the class? I'll give you my lesson plans and you can just work by yourself and turn in your work on my own time. And then when I'm gone, like what if I have to leave and there's a substitute, you could be like my co-aid and help teach the other students in the class lessons. I'm like, wow, yeah, that's great. And then um, on the other end of that, so my two favorite subjects have really always been math and English. But around middle school, I really started taking a liking to English because I loved to read books. That was how, like, I found solace when I realized that like, no one in my class like, really liked me. So I would read and keep to myself, and it made me happy. So I really started to um, get into reading, and I was, huh, I like all these stories. What if I tried to write them? And that was, like, the first time I was that I wanted to be, maybe wanted to be a writer. So um, I get to ninth grade, and I've already started to, like, write a little bit. Like, I've done, like, some short stories or maybe, like, a couple chapters from a novel that I had in my head. And um, 
my English teacher, when I would turn in essays, he realized, he was like, you're like, you're a really strong writer. I'm like, thank you. This is something I've considered that maybe I want to do with my career. Um, I used to just think I wanted to be an author or a screenwriter, but I wasn't sure. I just knew that I loved to write. I shared some of my pieces with him. He's like, yeah, you're really talented. And then second semester of my ninth grade year, um, he, my English teacher, my principal approached me and a couple other girls and they're like, hey, we want to maybe try to start um, a school newspaper because um, the high school when I got there was really, it was really new. Like it was only its fifth year in operation when I got there. So they had just had their first graduating class. So the school was really new. They're still trying to set up things I'm like, hey, we want to start a newspaper. And we recognize that you all are really good at writing. So would you like to do this? And I'm like, sure. So I joined that and I became one of the co-editor-in-chiefs of the newspaper in only ninth grade. And I realized, oh, this journalism, this is another form of writing that I didn't know that I could like, um, but I'm actually really interested in it. So that was ninth grade year, and the um, journalism was offered as a course. So we took classes. We got, um, not only did we do, like, the writing side of it, we also started, like, the, like, the startup part, like, okay, how are we going to get funding to to print our pages and you know how often are we going to print and everything like that so we really covered all all the logistics and we got out like a prototype copy by the end of the year um and then come my sophomore year I was still at um Cornerstone um uh we uh the journalism course was no longer offered but I was like okay, I didn't, we did all this work to try to start this newspaper. I don't want it to just go away. So I, was, I asked the girls that I worked with before, I'm like, hey, you guys don't want to continue this as like an extracurricular activity. And then my English teacher would still oversee us. And they were like, yeah, so we continued it as like an online newspaper. And we would do like updates and we did like features, like teacher spotlights by different teachers and like different like artists in the school who like would rap or like post things on SoundCloud. Um, so that was like really nice to open my eyes. Like, okay, maybe I want to be a journalist. Like, I'll still want to write books too, but this is a career I could see myself in. Um, but so aside from that, that was a really good part of sophomore year. There's some other, there was some like bad things too. Um, there was this girl I was really close to, like, we were like best friends. She came over to my house a lot, and she was going through some like emotional issues and I tried to help her she had kind of a strained relationship with her mom and uh yeah it was like I tried to like be like a really good friend from her but she did something that got her in trouble with at school at school and she actually ended up getting expelled from the school and um the school it was like really tiny like I think there were, when I got there in ninth grade, there were, like, only about 64 students in, the, like, the entire high school altogether. Mm-hmm. So it was really small. Everybody knew everybody. Everybody, even if you weren't friends with everybody, everybody kind of knew everybody's business. So when something got out, it, like, spread, like, wildfire, like, within, like, a day. So as soon as word got out that she was expelled, um, it's like, a lot of drama. Um, people were coming up to me, like, hey, what happened, what happened? I'm like, I don't know. I had no partners, like... Um, just, you know, the saying, like, you are the company to keep around, I guess mm-hmm. people thought there was something, like, with me, I'm like, no, I don't know, I've always just, like, tried to help her, because I understood, like, when, um, 
And this time I was also like realizing I was getting better about my mental health. I still had some issues struggling from back when I was younger and I was like really shy and isolated and I got bullied and I was like, you know, I had some self-esteem issues and things. So I was like struggling with my mental and emotional health this time too. So I thought like we were going through the struggle together. We could help each other. And then she got expelled and um, her relationship with her mom was like took an even like worse turn after that and um she ended up like running away like i didn't even notice we were texting one week and then she just stopped and i got really concerned I'm like what happened she never replied and then someone um from the school messaged me she's like hey do you know about this and it was like a headline like a 15 year old girl missing i was like what is this i didn't hear about this so yeah she ran away to this day i still don't know where she went even though she's back home i still don't know where she went but she ran away and that was like a whole other element of like drama of like people like hey do you know where she is what happened to her i was like i i literally don't know anything she stopped coming in contact with me um i want to see her but i i can't do anything so that like just feeling i didn't like the feeling of having like all that like attention on me and all that like associated it was really tough and i remember one day um it was like late in the school year it was actually the day that i got uh me and my friends were getting inducted into the national the national honor society right Mm -hmm. and um they were like in trying to investigate, trying to find my friend. And the secretary, she called me into her office. Like I, she's like, "Hey, can you um, come into my office for a second? And she was smiling, and she said it was like really casual. It was like you know, I was like, "Okay, maybe she needs to get like a paper or something." I go in there, and there are like literally two cops sitting in the office. I'm like, "What is this?" They're like, "Oh, she, they just need to ask you some questions about your friend." I'm like, "Are you serious?" So I was like, "I." never like spoken to police or anything like that before like yeah we're doing an investigation trying to find your friend i was like wait a minute i didn't know anything about this does my mom know about this and like we don't know but because you're a minor we need your mom's permission to talk to you call my mom my mom didn't know anything about it about it she was like furious she was like well how dare you come to the school and talk to my daughter about something she's already like stressed out about having anxiety about um, because she doesn't know, like, this is her best friend. She doesn't know where she is. She doesn't know if she's safe. Like, how dare you, like, you exacerbate that on a day that's supposed to be a happy day. She's, like, getting inducted to the National Honor Society. You don't inform us prior. You just, like, bring these, have these cops show up and, like, interrogate my daughter. So my mom was, like, she was really upset. So, yeah, all of that it just kind of made me, like, um, I didn't think the school was bad. I think they had a lot of, like, really cool resources. Like, one of the cool things about them was that they had internships. And, like, for high school students, those are kind of unheard of. Like, you can try to get one if you, like, look hard enough. But, like, they had internships, like, starting in ninth grade, which are barely, like, non-existent. So I had two different internships. I had one at Global Team Blue, which is based in Dearborn. That's an advertising agency. They do advertising for big companies like Ford. And then in my sophomore year, I worked at Guardian Industries and their corporate communications um, department. I helped, like, with social media and things. It's kind of related to, like, my kind of job aspiration to be a journalist. So those are really cool. And um, I like some of the other things, the cool programs that the school offers, but all of, like, that drama kind of, like, made me um, feel really uncomfortable being there. And then that, with the fact that we had to move again in the in the middle of... Uh, my sophomore year so and we moved actually all the way across the city like 
the school's on the east side of town, and we live, like, on the deep west side, like, basically on the border of Dearborn, so that was, like, a 30 to 40-minute commute back and forth, and we didn't have a consistent mode of transportation. Our car kept breaking down. We had to ask my friend, like, people that I met from the school, my friends, and I was, like, really stressed with that. Me, my mom was like, hey, uh, we might consider transferring you. I'm like, yeah, this is, cause this is, like, a lot for me to handle. Um, I didn't want to leave my friends. I met, um... So, like, aside from my friend, like, I'm missing, I met another friend who I'm still, like, friends with to this day. Her name is Jayla. I love her enough. She, like, her and my other friend, Lauren, they have, like, my first chance, like, getting friends from school that actually, like, liked me for me and, like, so I saw the best of me and I could, like, even after I transferred, we still maintained, like, really strong friendships and I text them every day. So that was, like, new for me. I didn't want to leave them, but I realized, like, being at the school was not good, like, for my emotional and mental health. Around this time, I think this my sophomore year was when I first started going to therapy about all of the things that I went through when I was a kid, and I was diagnosed with, like, depression and anxiety, and just, like, it wasn't, like, good for me. So then I was like, yeah, you're prob- probably going to transfer to a school that's much closer. It'll be, like, a new start, fresh start, so you can, you know, release all of the drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and school didn't really respond well to that we didn't tell them i was definitely transferring to say hey we're looking at this other school if we don't like it we're gonna stay here um uh but like yeah they all of a sudden they started acting really weird um they told my mom that because like of my high grades and test scores uh that i didn't have to pay tuition because it's private school supposed to pay tuition but they said like no she has a full ride scholarship she can attend for free and uh, like as soon as i mentioned hey maybe i'm looking at out of school they hit my mom with a bill and she's like what is this like we don't know but she's like yeah you said i didn't have to pay anything and then they started trying to get like a lot of people to talk to me which was weird like i remember the counselor asked me like on three different occasions like um are you staying here are you are you leaving like I'm like I was like I don't know she was like oh well if you go to schools in that area I told him like the school I was looking at was in Dearborn Heights which is the one I ended up transferring to the one I ended up graduating from so yeah schools down river are really bad there'll just be a number there you won't get the same kind of like high quality education that you're getting here I was like wow that's like kind of bad like you don't really know this school like how like this kind of manipulating my decision like you're saying the school is really bad um spoiler alert school is not bad i think i should think the school is pretty great but i don't know it's just like i felt really manipulative and then um my principal actually had a meeting with my mom and he told her things that like kind of hurt me because i uh i did like a lot for the school like i was like editor-in-chief of the um online newspaper i always help my friends at the homework i always maintain like really great grades when they had um their partner days it's basically like um people that donate to the school they come up to the school and then they um they meet the kids you know so they can see like like the fruits of like their labor like you know, when they donate to the school um they were always like i was a really big speaker at partner days and then i also um started my own tutoring service for the middle school because I knew a lot of students in the middle school were struggling with math. So I started my own tutoring service in 10th grade and I did that and I took like a lot of my time. So I felt like I was doing a lot for school. And then he called my mom in for a meeting and he was like, hey, um, basically I don't think your daughter will do well in a private school because she's like a bit of a follower and she won't be able to stick up for herself. 
I was like, what? Like, why would you say something like that? Like, if you honestly thought that, if you're honestly concerned with her, why don't you tell her yourself? Like you said, like, he loved me, really cared about me, was just doing this for my best interest. And I was like, okay, um, it really did that. Like, why wouldn't you, like, talk to me and sit me down? Because I talked to him a lot about, like, the tutoring thing and everything else going on in school. So I spoke to him every day. He never mentioned anything about this. Like, he had concerns about me and how I was interacting with people. Just felt like he was kind of being underhanded going by my back and telling my mom like no she shouldn't go to another school she should definitely shouldn't go to a public school because she would not be able to survive there and that made me feel really bad that made me like just not feel comfortable and I didn't really want to go back so um I went through like the application process for the public school um that this was Annapolis High School it's in Durban Heights um and I, I got in and I enrolled I was like okay so I'm transferring um I told all my friends that I would not I will not lose touch with them, and we never did. We still text all the time. I still saw them frequently. I just, like, had to like, get out of that, like, environment. It was, like, not good for me. And then um, I transferred to my current school, and I really um, enjoyed it. Uh, it just, like, it was so, like, a lot better for me. Um, I got, I actually got to wear, like, my own clothing at the private school. I had a uniform, but um, there was no dress, there was, well, there's a dress code, you could wear, like, whatever you want at the public school, so I got to express myself that way. Got to meet a bunch of new friends. Um, I got my chance to take, like, my first, like, AP class, something that, like, while I did enjoy Cornell, I didn't like, they didn't have any, like, offering any advanced classes that I wanted to take, so I got to take my first AP and honors classes at this school. And they had, like, um, a bunch more clubs, um, which, like, Cornerstone didn't offer, which I didn't necessarily blame them for because, as I mentioned before, they were only in operation, like, total before they closed down for, like, seven years. So schools, like, really knew it didn't last long at all. So, obviously, establishing all those different clubs and organizations takes time. So I didn't blame them for that, but there's still things that I wanted. It was, like, it comes to the school. It's been in operation since, like, the 60s. So they have a bunch of different, like, they had Quiz Bowl, which I joined. They already had an established newspaper that was, like, printed in paper as opposed to like the online newspaper that we did at my old school and I thought that was really cool. They had like a really big student council and all these like spirit week like festivals and it was just like really cool. And I was like, wow, I could like really like join this community and it'll be better for my mental health. And um, as I went there and I would talk to my therapist, she's like, oh my God, you're really getting better. I really think coming to the school is a great thing for you. I was like, thank you. It actually turned out to be, like, a really good decision because junior year, my junior year, the year I transferred was the year that Cornerstone announced that it was closing the high school. And to this day, no one really knows what happened. It's kind of believed that there was some, um, like, corruption in, like, the financial, like, aid office. Like, it wasn't getting enough money to, like, funding to stay open, which is crazy because, like, a lot of parents are paying and a lot of partners were donating, but no one knows where the money went. So the school actually closed down. So a lot of my friends, they had to transfer their senior year, which is really stressful to them. I know, like, my two best friends, Jayla and Lauren, they were like, oh, my God, like, they went, um, my friend Jayla, she went from Cornerstone School with, like, 60 to 70 kids in the entire high school at most to Renaissance, which has, like, thousands of students, and she's really uncomfortable, you know, it's, I was like so, I was like felt so bad for them. So, I'd see, I felt like it was like a blessing that I was able to transfer when I did. So, I had a year to get acclimated to the new school and then I could spend my senior year there and I'd know everybody and it wouldn't be as uncomfortable as having to try to transfer my senior year and try to balance like college applications, all of that. So, um, I'm at Annapolis on my junior year and I realized, okay, 
um, senior year is coming up. I have to start thinking about college. I have to start thinking about, like, um, where I'm going and also about, like, financial aid. Because I know, like, um, um, by the way I'm going to pay for school, it's like, I need scholarships. Um, so I looked at a bunch of different things that I wanted to apply to online. Um, one thing I applied to was for the QuestBridge College Prep Scholars Program. Um, which basically appears like low-income students from all across the country, and um, you can apply and you submit essays, and then they identify you as like a really good candidate for some of the top forty schools in the, in the country. Um, I did that because one of their partner schools was Northwestern University, which is based in Chicago, and that was like actually my top choice school in my junior year because. Um, they offered really great financial aid. I could get a scholarship through the Quest Bridge program, and um, they like ranked one of the top in journalism because at this point I was okay. I want to be a journalist, and uh, yeah, really great journalism program. And um, it was out of state. I always knew I wanted to go out of state for college, but also wasn't too far because like Chicago is really like easy to access from like Michigan. So I was like, okay, that was my top choice. So I did that, um, and also. Uh, my sophomore year, my English teacher shared this journalism opportunity with me called the Princeton um, Summer Journalism Program. And it was like, you should apply. But the only issue is that the program is only for juniors, and I was a sophomore at the time. So, like, you emailed me and say, hey, this sophomore, my, I have a sophomore, and she's really talented, she can't participate. They were like, no, strictly juniors only. I realized now why they did that because, um, it's both a general program and a college access program. So the way they do it is like at the end of like the program happens the summer after your junior year, and then when you go for your senior in the fall, they help you with like your college app process. So it wouldn't make sense for me to do it as a sophomore. So we didn't really understand that back then. But even after I transferred, I was like. Um, you know, I want to be a journalist, and I, if I apply to this program and I get it, and I think you know, I'm going to go to Princeton, because, like, Princeton as a school, like, getting, actually get accepted there, I wasn't even going to apply to the school, because I'm like, that's crazy, it's one of the top schools in the country, but I was like, maybe I can apply to this program, maybe I can get in, and if so, I could, like, add that to my college apps to show them that I'm really serious about becoming a journalist, and um, maybe I could get into, like, what was my school at the time, um, Northwestern. So I applied to the program, and um, I, I got in. I was, like, really shocked. I went through it was a three-step three application process. Like, first, you had to just submit um, an online application and do, like, some um, short response questions. And then if you made it through that round, the second round was doing, like, letters of recommendation and a transcript and all that. And if you made it through that, you had to do an interview. And I thought I completely bombed the interview. They were asking me questions like, hey, reporting like if you come to this program the kind of reporting you'll do is be on serious topics like politics anything are you comfortable with that um i never covered those kind of serious issues because school newspapers don't really tackle them as much as they should like my um my newspaper they're starting to branch out to that kind of stuff but they don't really tackle like hard-hitting things like elections or anything like that so i was like i'm open to it but it's just something i never did i've never done um so, uh so I was like, I I don't know, and I really thought that I had bombed the interview, but then I got the email, I was like, no, congratulations, you've been accepted, and um, one of the great things about this program is, like, once you get in, like, you don't have to do anything else, like, you don't have to worry about getting out there, you don't have to worry about, like, paying for, like, rooming or food or anything, like, like cover all of your expenses, so they flew me out to Princeton, I stayed there for 10 days, and basically had, like, um, 
different workshops and classes about different aspects of journalism from photography to news reporting to like writing opinion pieces all of this um for like 10 days for some of like the best journalists in the country people that work for like the washington post new york times uh i got to i got one of the days went to new york i got to tour the huffington post and all the things like some of these like top com- companies like for aspiring journalists like myself they're like dream companies so I was really crazy it was like honestly one of the best experiences of my life I got to meet some really great people because the program invites 40 low income students from all over the country so I got to meet people from California there was one from Alaska it was just all over the country really like bright students um and really like passionate and you know they're all going to like really great schools now and we still keep in touch so it's really nice um but yeah it was one of the best experiences while I was there and um one of the shocking things which actually led me to maybe want to apply to Princeton was um I was I was there we had to like uh, the program ends with you like the students publishing like a newspaper called the Princeton Summer Journal where they cover things that they topics that they learned about during the summer. Um, so I was writing a draft for an article, and actually, and um, the counselors for the program, all these like accomplished journalists, they were also would edit our work. And the first person to edit, edit my work is actually the founder of the program. His name is Richard Justin. He's the, currently the editor of the Washington Post, like a really big guy working for like one of the top newspapers like in the world, like kind of like, has like my dream job, the editor of like a big magazine. Um, he was like, hey, are you done with your article? I was like, um, yeah, I guess. I was super, he was like, can I read it? Can I like look it over, you know, edit it? I was like, yeah, sure. I was like super nervous. I was like, oh my God, my writing sucks. It's gonna be like so bad. He's gonna cut into me. Um, because I've been told, like, obviously I've been told before, but my English is just like, no, you're a really good writer. But like for someone like him, like I know he has just like, he's really high standards. He's done this for so many years. And he works for one of the best magazines in the country. So I'm like, oh my God, maybe my writing isn't as good as I thought. But then he read over my article and he looked at me and he was like, he was like, he was like, nice job. He's like, you are a really good writer. I was like, what? I was completely shocked. I never had someone of like that status, like in my mind. I never had someone tell me like, you are like really good. Like this is like, you're talented. Um, he gave me like a few edits and I like, I was like, yeah, of course. But like, I was so shocked. He was like, wow. He's like, where are you thinking of applying? Cause um, he started the program. He's a Princeton alumnus. That's why like the program is, uh, through Princeton, he uh, realized like he wanted to diversify newsrooms because he kind of thought they were just full of like old white guys. But they, he trying to try to diversify newsrooms so that women, people like me, like women of color, and like um, more like Hispanic and Asian people and LGBTQ people can be represented in like all these like the top newsrooms. So he's like hey, have you, where, like, where have you thought of applying? And I was like, right now in Northwestern, but if not, I'll go to, like, a school in state. Like, one of my other top choices, like, Grand Valley, because I got the chance to tour that campus. I thought it was really nice. He was like, have you never thought about applying to somewhere like Princeton or Hartford? I was like, no, that's, like, that's kind of crazy. Like, I'm, you know, people where I'm from, I'm from Detroit, like, people who don't really go to those schools, and when they do, it's, like, a huge thing, like, it's all over the news, so I'm, like, I, know I didn't, I mean, I, I think I'm smart, but I, I, not, like, that level smart, he was, like, I don't know, I think you could be really good, and then, um, 
over the course of the program, I wrote some more articles and more of some of the other journalists. They edited my thing and they, they edited my work and they were like, they all said the same thing. It's like, man, you have a talent. Like, you're really good at this. It's like, you can, like, your writing is like good at one topic. Like, your writing is good enough for like professional, a professional newsroom. Like, right now, I was like, are you serious? Like, I, I never, it was, it was so like surreal to me. I knew I loved to write and I knew I wanted to be a writer, but for them to tell me that, I was just, it blew my mind. Um, so the way the program works is like at the end of the program, after all the, everybody's written an article and the paper has been published, they, um, they, they're really passionate about college access and pairing like low income and underrepresented students, like people of color to get to some of the best universities in the country. They pair you with, um, college access counselors who will help you and like choosing a list of where to apply and helping you apply, helping edit your essays, um, and then helping you figure out like financial aid packages because like we are low income students, like figure out like how we can afford college if we can get some of the best universities in the country because it's pretty well known that these top universities cost like an arm and a leg to attend. So I got paired with my mentor. Her name is um, Megan Greenwell. She's currently the editor in chief of an online sports magazine based in New York called Deadspin. And Megan, she's honestly one of the best women to come into my life she's been so supportive and just so kind to me and we've been in contact almost every day since august when i went to the program so um in september she like she asked me kind of the same questions that i was asked at the program like hey why are you thinking of applying and i told her and she was like, can I be honest with you? I'm like, sure. She's like, yeah, those schools are great. Like, you know, state schools and Northwestern. But she's like, you're honestly one of the most brilliant students and one of the best writers I've ever seen come through this program. The program's been running for 17 years. So I was like, are you serious? She's like, yeah, she's like, you were truly talented. And I'd hate to see you waste your potential on one school when you could get it to, like, some of the best schools in the country. So I think you should try you should apply to someone like princeton like harvard and i was like oh my god i just like it thought never crossed my mind i think maybe once when i was back in like ninth grade i thought maybe i could uh because everyone always told me i'm smart so i was like maybe i'll i'll try to apply to one of those schools but not like i'm invested in it because that like never happened it was like i was like maybe i'll apply to like dartmouth or something just to see like it you know because i thought that was a really cool school i didn't end up applying to dartmouth but after ninth grade i kind of just dismissed those thoughts i was like no ivies are like way too crazy so i just i just completely removed them from my head but she like she put she planted the seed like back in my head she's like no i think you should really do it so I worked with her over two months, up, and like, yeah, from October to November, we did everything, got my letters of recommendation, um, and talked to my counselors, and, like, the biggest thing that she helped me with were my essays, and helping me figure out how can I, like, effectively, you know, tell my story, so she, I, um, I wrote about, you know, like, my struggles, like, moving around a lot and being isolated as a kid and not really feeling like I fit in but always just loving school and like loving writing and just yeah I just spoke about that um a lot and how like um I also wrote about one of my other essays like after I got home from the program like everyone was like in awe it was like how did you like even if I even though I hadn't gone into school you're like how did you get to a place like that and I was like I don't know and they're like wow like this is this is crazy and I realized that like 
I don't want to be, like, I appreciate when everyone, like, the attention everyone gives me, but I don't want to be, like, singled out as, like, the one girl from Detroit who, like, got into a place like Princeton. Like, I don't want to be singled out like that. I want to, like, encourage, like, the success and, like, the full potential of every anybody who feels like like a school like Princeton just is impossible for them because maybe of their background or they just like never heard of a school like that like I want to encourage that especially within my own city because I see like so many like hard-working youth who just like never get a chance to achieve like what do you ever get a chance to achieve like their dreams like the fullest potential so um I wrote about that in my essay I was like no, I don't want to be the only one who has the chance to, like, go to a place like Princeton or gets, like, letters in the mail. Like, I got so many, like, letters in the mail from a bunch of different colleges and not just, like, like state schools, like, some of the best schools in the country. Like, hey, we, um, you saw, like, your test scores, you scored, did really high, and we like, your grades, and we're, like, we think you would do well in applying to those. Like, I don't want to be, like, the only one I want to help. Um, as many students as I can, like, achieve to, like, the best of their abilities, too. So I wrote about that, and um, I applied to Princeton early. Um, a, uh, a common theme, like, between all the Ivy League schools that you can only, if you apply to them, you can only apply to them early. You can't apply to any other schools. So I applied to Princeton early by November 1st, and that way I could hear back December 15th. Um, the plan was, like, if I got into Princeton, then I didn't have to apply to a bunch of different schools. But if I didn't get in early, maybe I got deferred to regular action. I found out at the end of March that I applied to a bunch of different schools. Because the program right now, they recommend that students apply to between 15 to 20 different schools because they know that like some of the, like these schools, they um, are very particular about admissions. Like some, they have really low admissions rates. And I think Harvard this year only accepted like 4.5% of its applicants. So they're really competitive and they don't want the students to all cast their, um, net, like into one bucket. Um, so they say apply to like 15 to 20 different schools, cast a wide range and just see where you, like where it ha- like what can happen. Um, so my mentor was like, okay, your top choice is Princeton. You've applied early. We'll see what happens to that. Um, and if, like, if you don't get in, like, either they reject you or they defer you to regular action, then you can apply to the other, I had, like, 17 other schools on my list. Um, so I applied to Princeton, and then I also, I applied to Princeton early, then I also applied to Harvard and the University of Pennsylvania, that was, that's the Ivy based in Philadelphia. I, they got the chance to go there. They flew me out. I did um did these things called fly-in programs where you like you it's kind of like a mini college application essay. You write like a short um essay and like your interest and put like GPA test scores, whatever. And if you get in, they will fly you out to like the college campus so you can see the campus, see if you like it, and then you can identify it as a place you maybe actually want to go to for college so I did that fly-in program and I, I liked Penn I thought it was really nice um and it became my second choice like after Princeton um so December 15th rolls around like the day early admissions come out and like my heart is beating like so fast like I'm freaking out I was like oh my god what have I gotten myself into like this is crazy I applied to one like the, literally the top school in the country and what was I doing thinking I could get into a school like this? And then, like, the results were released at 7 p.m. Um, I had to go online and check my application portal. 
and like the first thing I see is congratulations and I literally just freak out I was like oh my god how did I how did I do this this is like absolutely insane I got into like and I got into an Ivy League school like the school like Princeton um I was freaking out my mom there's actually a 30 second video we uploaded to YouTube it was like a thousand views or whatever of me just like screaming like, at the top of my lung like I'm jumping around my living room because I, I can't believe it I started crying my mom started crying she was like, yes, yeah, like, all the hard work you put in, it, it's, like, it works, like, you, you've accomplished this, you should be proud of yourself, like, I know, you know, your childhood wasn't the best, and you had to go through a lot, but you overcame all of it, you just really accomplished your goals, and I was just, I was so, it's still, like, it's still crazy to me to this day, like, I look at my acceptance letter, and I'm, like, how did all of this happen? Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, and then after I found out I got in, I kind of, like, got famous, like, in my community. Like, I was on the front page of our student newspaper, which I was actually on the newspaper. I was one of the editors of the newspaper. But I got, like, so many, like, people, like, flooding me with emails, like, out of my school, like, congratulations. And I got an email from a ninth grader who was like, hey, like, do you have any advice for me just starting out in my high school? about how to get to a school like this and I'm like yeah just like you know always work hard check do your best in your classes um you you do extracurriculars that you're really passionate about not just like doing 10 different clubs or activities just to fill like a college application like really focus on what you're passionate about and then really try to translate your passion and your life story into your essays right now colleges are really big on writing they want to see like what it gets to know you as a person because um what i learned was actually kind of shocking to me is like most admissions officers especially at, at some of the top schools in the country um they spend at most 15 minutes reading an entire application so this is an application that you spend like months working on filling out like all your essays and all these letters of recommendation and everything about you like essentially kind of tell your life story and they literally will only spend a massive 15 minutes reading it so you have to like really sell yourself in a really short amount of time so you have to come through and you like just like, try to give it your all and I tried to do that I paired my heart and mind and it worked for me so Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just crazy. Uh, my mom called Rhonda's brag book and actually got a feature on that, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also during this time, I uh, so through the Princeton program, my mentor shared with me another journalist opportunity to uh, write for The Trace. The Trace is an online news organization that focuses on gun violence in America, and they wanted to... Um, start this project called Since Parkland, um, which would document, like, all of the um, children and teens killed by gun violence in the aftermath of the Parkland shooting in Florida um, back in February of 2018. And they were like, would you be comfortable writing about this? I was like, oh my god, I've never written about something this serious. Like, I got kids to write about, like, politics and different things at the Princeton program, but actually, actually writing about, like, gun violence and how that affects so many kids and teens in America, and it was, like, something home for me because it is, uh, unfortunately, it is, like, a prevalent issue in Detroit. I was like, yeah, I'd love to do it. I've never done something like this before, but I'm willing to try, and I want to shed light on these stories. Um, so I did that throughout my senior year. is actually something I included on my college application. It just really opened my eyes about journalism and how gun violence affects different communities in the country. Um, I ended up writing 19 profiles about 
19 different children and teens who were unfortunately lost their lives to gun violence. Um, four of them were in the Detroit area. One of them was actually, um, I believe, a three-year-old boy. It took place right down the street from my house. Like, I live on... I live by Dearborn, like right off of Southfield and Warren. Mm-hmm. And he was, um, I'm not sure if you're about the boy who was shot. His godmother was taking him to see Sesame Street Live, and he was shot on the Southfield Freeway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I um, I actually ended up writing about him, and I, I was I was so sad. I remember I was crying. There were a bunch of different times I was crying because these kids, like, they had, I remember, like, one was a cancer student, and one was, like, an aspiring doctor. And they, I was like, oh, my God, these these kids literally could have been me and I think that's like the was the point of the project was they wanted like actual teens young people who like see this happening to their peers you know they're not removed like this is something that's happening to them it can literally happen to anyone like I wrote about people while I was 16 who were 16 17 and I got shot I was like uh, any of these kids could have been me it just resonated with me um but I I believe it allowed me to grow to be more mature but yeah I just I wrote about all of them and then I had to do interviews about that and I got more exposure. So senior year was just a crazy year. I never like had that much attention on me, even growing up. People knew I was smart, but Princeton and that, like, I got interviewed by Boston NPR, and I got featured on the Now This News segment. I actually, like, my one of my friends saw me on Snapchat. She's like, "Yeah, I saw your name on like a Snapchat story." I was like, "Whoa, that's crazy!" <laughs> so it's a big year, um, and I got. Uh, like, after March rolled around, um, actually, my Harvard, Harvard rejected me, but I didn't really want to go there anyway, so that's fine. Um, but I did get into Penn, though, so I got into two IVs, and there I was. I liked, I liked Princeton a lot more than Penn, so I committed to Princeton. And then uh, two weeks after I committed, they're starting the enrollment process. They tell me, hey, you've been invited to do our summer program called the Freshman Stars Institute, where you get to take two credit courses over the summer. And we go on all these trips to, like, Six Flags and everything. It's, like, a really fun, like, bonding experience. And just, like, acclimated to the university. I was like, yeah, of course I'll do that. So I got, like, into that. And I actually for that program tomorrow. So I'm, like, in the process of packing everything. But, yeah, it's, it's been, like, a really crazy year. I'm so, like, excited and grateful for everyone who's, like, been, like, supportive of me. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I just want to... I want this to be like a starting point. Like I don't want it to just end with me. I'm already looking for like my younger brother and sister and then going to college with my brother. It's like it's gonna have to come sooner rather than later. He's already in middle school. So I'm like, okay, like the, we're getting the ball rolling early, like no hesitation. I want, you know, just to see like you grow and I wanna see all my friends to where I know are really smart and they deserve it grow. Um, actually, while I was a senior, I actually helped mentor one of the juniors in my newspaper class, and she got into the Princeton like summer journalism program. So, like, yeah, just always like paying it forward, and um, yeah, it's basically my story. Now, if anybody, um, if they wanted to like send you some cash to say congratulations, what's your cash app? Oh yeah, um, so my cash app is. AJ um, Marie M A R I E ten nineteen. Um, so like my name is Ajane, but um, my mom she has to do this thing where she gives her um, kids two middle names. So my middle name is Jubel Marie. So it's like AJ like Ajane Jubel, and then Marie my other middle name M A R I E, and then ten nineteen October nineteenth is my birthday. So 
Awesome. Well, I'm thankful that you did this interview. And once again, congratulations because you really beat the odds. And this is like amazing. So I cannot hey, wait to see so all much. the great things that you're getting ready to do. This is just one of your checkpoints. So this is the Thank beginning so of everything. Yeah. So keep like being awesome and definitely keep on paying it forward because, you know, helping other people helps you in the long run. So congratulations, yeah. girl. You did that. Thank you so much. Talking about beating the odds. I mean, yeah, that was dope. That yeah, was that's super really dope. dope. Yes. And I'm very like, I'm very happy um, that she was able to accomplish this right. and reach this checkpoint because it's amazing. A lot of us look at certain things and we think it's not reachable but it is if you just stretch out you know and you grab and you go for it let's say you go for it and you don't get it the first time go for it again and i like how you said it's a checkpoint because it's more to come yeah so it's definitely a great a great bounce back and come up story and to see what comes next will be really interesting it is i mean i think one thing is um a lot of us some of us are like i went to college and because I wanted to make money more, I'm like, uh, I can go back, you know. But certain people think that you have to go to college, you know, in order to get certain things in your life. And all right. of us, we're not all the same. So I think that even if you, you know, you're listening, you didn't go to college or you don't, you're about to go to college and you don't want to, you know, we all have different roles. But we all can be beat the odds. Well, keep in mind, uh, most of the billionaires right now are mm-hmm. not college graduates. Was Bill Gates? Bill Gates I don't uh, think he, dropped I, out. Yeah. Um, Zuckerberg dropped out. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of uh, the money-making ability does not come from college. It comes from your drive. Right. So, like, don't worry about that. Um, mm-hmm. When I went to college, I was like Charlie Brown. All I heard was wah, 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 wah. <laughs> And I mean, the grades was all right, but mm-hmm. I couldn't keep my focus. Like, mm-hmm. my focus just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you'll come through, you get a 4.0 a couple semesters, and then you like, I ain't going back because I just can't take it. I'm stressed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just not for everybody. Right. It's not saying that you don't have the aptitude to do it, it just may not be for you. Right. Find yeah. what's for you. I don't think, and I don't want to make it seem like we're telling people, like, oh, you don't have to go to college, you know, because it's, you really should. You That's should exactly really what have I'm that experiment. You don't have to go to college. Yeah, I mean, if, if it's what you want to do, definitely. Right. If you try it and it don't work out, don't stress out. That's true. Yeah, because I stressed out a little bit um, when I first got out of college. And I, I was upset because I was like, I really want to, I want to work for Apple. I really want to do this. And I really thought that it was unreachable because I'm like, this is Apple. You know, they're going to want me to have a bachelor's degree. They're going to be looking at this and that. It's thousands of people that's applying to this job. Why should I apply? They're not going to call. They're not checking for me. Well, I got in. And boom, I applied and I definitely got in. And, you know, they told us over 10,000 people applied for this job. And we only hired 1,000. Apple is all over the world. Yeah. So I just want to let people know that nothing is unreachable. You can always reach something as long as you go for it. All you got to do is go for it. I mean, failing is a part of life. Right. Um, I think that when I first, when I was younger, I had a little business. I had like a jewelry business where I would make beads and stuff like that, mm-hmm. bead bracelets and necklace and everything like that. And for me, I I failed at it because I just stopped. 
or whatever. And I was like, well, I could never probably make a lot of money off of this. Well, so we started doing I that in the summer up. too. We yeah. did leather craft. Leather craft? Yeah. Wow. So you had the little hammer and the mallets and you used to tone the leather. Like it was fun, but like you said, it's just something that got let go. Yeah. And it's like at this at some point in life you can't keep on letting go of stuff. Right. Like even I mean the scariest part about being an entrepreneur, I can say in my book, is not knowing if you're doing something that people will like, accept, or that will, you know, make a difference in anyone's life or make a difference in your life. So, you're like, it's it's a little bit scary because you don't know. Like, with my clothing line, I didn't know if people would like the designs or want to purchase anything or like the podcast and want to listen to the podcast. Right. But it's about just doing it. Like, if you're doing it and you're doing it for a certain reason, like me, I'm doing it because I feel like it's people that voice need to be heard and they don't talk, they don't speak out. Nobody want to talk about their depression. Nobody want to talk about, you know, anxiety or crying all night and all that kind of stuff or tell their story. Absolutely. So, I say that, all of that, to say, try for it. You can beat the odds. It's not... Um, just gonna happen to certain people. You can do it as long as you put your mind to it. Well, with that said, you have to, you have to, have to believe in yourselves, uh, see what's around the corner for yourselves, and uh, go ahead and tackle it. And I think this was an awesome episode. It was. And I just want to make it known that now that I'm 27, I got to work a little harder because I'm trying to get on that Forbes 30 under 30. You feel me? Forbes 30 under 30. Man, I'm telling you, that's been something that's been on my list for a while now. So I'm still pushing for it. So uh, this year... I'm going to work a lot harder because, oh. you know, I only got a couple more years under 30 and I got to make that list. I got to oh. make it happen. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give me a subscription to Forbes. <laughs> um, I'm still pushing for the Fortune 500, so uh, that's coming soon. I missed the 30 under 30. That, that's that's cool. That's I was, cool. I was, I, was, I was highly intoxicated well, under 30. Well, Forbes is still Forbes no matter <laughs> what age, so <laughs> it don't matter. But we gonna, if we all keep the same mindset and keep remaining positive, we could all beat the odds and we could all be um i guess a person that another person will look at because right. i mean if you listen to the interview she talk about how you know she reached a goal you know she got into the school that she wanted to get into and someone younger than her you know was like well how can i do that so always pay it for people right. to help the next person and somebody will help you what goes around comes around never know who watching well this has been moments with mika and i'm rick peace peace